Hello, and welcome to the Carrier's Edge podcast. My name is Mark Morrell. I'm a co-founder of Carrier's Edge. And I'm Jane Jazrawi. I'm the other co-founder of Carrier's Edge. I'm the sane one. Yes, I'm the one doing the radio voice, <laughs> which I will now stop doing Thank because you. it's hard to keep that up for a while. So a lot uh, of energy. Yeah, but it gets it's fatiguing to listen to. So uh, if we're going to drone on for an hour, it's hard to do that in a radio voice. So we will now. It's a special skill. Yes, we'll now go back to our normal voices. Sorry, I was supposed to cough earlier in my own time, not on yes, on don't podcast be coughing time. on podcast time. So, uh, what do we got for this episode? Well, first of all, I have to acknowledge that we're late. Uh, we are late. We had created a schedule for ourselves and thought, ah, we can do this every three weeks. All we got to do is find an hour where we can just get together and r- rant about what we're feeling about things and what's new, what's been going on. Well, it seems that that hour is pretty hard to find sometimes because the last month has just been absolutely insane. I think it's been nearly a month since we recorded our last one. So I'm going to start off by saying, yes, me bad, me bad scheduling. Um, but because In our of, defense, we've been talking to a lot of companies yes, this year. Yes, because of that, uh, we do have lots of things to talk about. So uh, on the agenda for today, let's see what we've got. We've got to talk about some food safety stuff. Mm-hmm. We've got some Best Fleets updates. Uh, we've got some other things that we're working on and some random thoughts that no doubt will cross our mind at different times. Yes. So uh, start off with um, the last podcast, we had a long discussion about how we choose what courses to build and all of the different things that go into it and all the reasons why we were not going to build a food, a food safety course, uh, a course on the new FISMA regs. Well, like a week after that, we changed our mind. This is true, but it's because our customers asked us to do it. So, I which is a karma. big, it's, yeah. Because like, as soon as we recorded that podcast and put it out there, then people came out of the woodwork and said, hey, are you going to do a FISMA course? And, so, and it's not really like for us, because we're doing driver training, it's not necessarily FISMA as a whole, but it's really specifically what drivers need. And what they need is not necessarily, I mean, they need a little bit of the framework of FISMA, but they really need to know what they have to do in co- in the context of FISMA. So, I mean, it works whether or not you have you know have FISMA in there, it still is a good overview for food safety for drivers and what they have to do and their responsibilities. So, yes. So after explaining all of the reasons why it didn't make sense for us to do a course, most of those reasons changed. Uh, so I think that we understood the reasons a little bit more, or yeah. the reasons for doing it, or we had some clarifications about you know the advantages of having it as as opposed to. Uh, not well, a couple it. of specific things. One is that the supposed free course from FDA doesn't look like it's going to be materializing anytime soon. Uh, the second thing being that uh, a number of customers have come out of the woodwork and say, no, we really do need something that covers the basics for our drivers. And they had requested us to, uh, to build it. Um, so those couple of things together, plus the fact that when we started looking into it, it looks like there's um, there's, there's more there than, uh, what people are going to be able to do easily on their own. And also it's, it's become clear that we have a lot more reefer customers than what we thought, or a lot more, um, customers that are doing more reefer work than we thought. So, um, that course is now underway and how's it going, Jane? 
it the storyboard is nearly finished, so I just want to get uh, a couple of people to look it over, and then we're going to basically get some uh, images slash video to decorate it and uh, and get it voiced. And it should be it's not very long, so um, it should be end of January. Okay. Yeah, that's what we're talking about, end of January release. But the basic storyboard is, is nearly done. Okay. And so uh, when you say not very long, how long is this course going to be, you think? Um, it's going to be half hour. Really? That short? Maybe 45. It depends on how long people take. But I would say between, it's going to be no more than an hour. Um, I don't, it's, it really isn't all that long because... Um, what I'm doing is really the general information, the specific information about what codes people use for their particular shippers on the reefer, you know, what the processes are for cleaning and, you know, like what truck washes to use or what needs a sweep out and what needs a, a washout versus a sanitizing washout. I mean, that all, some of that is going to be dependent on the carrier and their own internal processes. So what I'm doing is kind of doing the prerequisite. And so that's going to cover um, basically why it's important, personal hygiene and, and hand washing and that kind of thing and why that's important. And then uh, keeping your trailer clean, how to do that and how to make sure that the temperature is consistent and what all the differences are in that case. And it's not, I mean, there's some detail in it, but I don't think it's going to take huge amounts of time for people to go through. So in some ways, it's a little like uh, hazmat in that there's some basics that we can teach, that we can cover, but then there's a lot of things that are specific to the load and specific to a shipper. Yeah. And all of that stuff really needs to be addressed on a more personalized level, depending on what work that driver is going to do. So we're going to give them the basics, and we've got the documentation, all of that part of it that FISMA requires in terms of tracking the training happened and providing those kind of tools for proving that things happened at certain times. Uh, but there's still going to be a requirement for companies to do their own content around that to cover their own customer needs. Yeah, and, and part of the review process is going to be because I'm uh, part of that process is going to be, you know, have I got everything? Mm. Is all the basics covered? Because that's really what I'm intending to do with this course. If we need something a little bit more, I think it's, I mean, I could add on a module, but I don't think, I think everything's covered as, as the basics. It's really about keeping yourself, keeping the trailer clean and keeping the and same and don't cross contaminate don't and don't let it you know don't let it heat up it's uh it's pretty straightforward so hmm. okay but the thing that i that i've kind of found out through my research is that shippers are not going to accept food lo like they're not going to load you they're not going to receive a load if they see any kind of um, possibility of contamination they are really strict on that. So I think that's one of the things that I'm trying to emphasize is that you need to keep an eye on it because you're going to be turned away and that's going to cost your company a whole lot of money and you're going to waste a whole lot of time. So do it properly the first time, follow the protocols the first time and you're going to be you're going to be a lot better off. Yeah, I can see that with all of the issues that have come up with listeria and E. coli mm -hmm. and all of that other stuff in the 
in the uh, the food system over the past couple of years, yeah, people have got to be a lot more careful about it. So and now there's new, like there's new superbugs and mm. things like that that are popping up that were never. And I think that the reason that they overhauled uh, the food safety regulations in the states was because um, the last time I think it was was might have been like did a full. Uh, overhaul was in the 30s or some like it was decades ago and that's why it's called the modernization act um because there's new problems that people have to solve in terms of food safety and the things that they're doing that carriers are doing anyway so that people don't get sick are should be written down and added to regulations so that's why they did it Hmm. so for a lot of carriers it's not going to change that much Hmm. Yeah, it's more about documentation. Documentation, yeah. Kind of like CSA. I mean, the regs aren't really changing a lot. You just have to document it and track it differently. And our system is really good because any training that people do is going to be documented. And that's another thing is that they don't specify what training you need. Yeah. So I really have to keep it generic. Hmm. But I do want to run it by some people, uh, by a couple of companies before I start, you know, Mm -hmm. getting an audio script and all that stuff. Yes, and uh, I guess we'll, for now, we'll just do this English only, and then we'll look at other languages later, um, but uh, well, that's good. Uh, mm-hmm. So that will be uh, some excitement when that's done, end of January, and uh, in and the meantime... hopefully, hours of service, well, we have the voiceover done for Spanish yes, hours of service. Yes, I did the uh, recording for the Spanish hours of service right here in this very studio mm-hmm. a week ago, a week and a half ago. And With what was his name? The Gennaro. Gennaro. As the guy, very good uh, voiceover artist, uh, but just a testament to the insanity that has been happening over the past month. I haven't even had a chance to listen back to those uh, tracks yet, to do any mastering to start getting it ready for uh, cutting. So uh, that's going to be in the new year before that happens, before that course is out for sure. But it is coming. That would be uh, the early new year because that, that should be out. That, yeah, there's really no year. reason that that can't be Early new out. year that we'll have uh, Spanish uh, hours of service out. And then we also have to deal with the Punjabi hours of service, which are sort of partway finished and uh, mm-hmm. need to be recorded too. So we got lots of uh, new funky language stuff coming in the new year mm-hmm. and uh, the FISMA course coming. But what's been happening uh, mostly over the past month is the annual insanity that is Best Fleets to Drive For. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. We need a theme song for Best Fleets. That well, you, plays. Do a, you do a fine one. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Every time I say it, you just do your theme song and okay. we'll be all set. All right. But only if I say it the proper phrase. If I only say half the phrase, you can't say it. So Best Fleets, I do. Dun, dun. <laughs> that works perfectly. <laughs> So, yes, we've been going through the annual process of uh, interviewing all of the participants. Which is why we're a little uh, punchy today. Yeah. And I think when we did the last podcast, we had uh, we were getting into it. We were a couple of weeks into the interviews. But what happens is you do the first couple of weeks of interviews and you maybe you've done a dozen or so and they're all sort of familiar to you. You can uh, remember what you had talked about and the things that jumped out at you from different companies but then you go through the dark tunnel that is doing a couple of For weeks. a day. <laughs> yeah, where you're doing like 14, 15 interviews a week. And you come to this stage. So here we are sort of mid-December. We're just nearly at the end of it. And boy, 
I've interviewed a whole bunch of companies. I can't tell you who I've interviewed and not interviewed unless I look at my list because I don't remember very much from any specific company. There are definitely things people are doing that are jumping out. Um, I think what is jumping out, because I'm the same way, I'm... I can't remember. I can remember who I've talked to. I cannot remember anything they've said. So, I mean, I will, like for some of them that I've interviewed multiple times, I know what they do, but it's yeah. not because of this particular interview. But I don't remember any of the new stuff. Well, there was one of them that I was looking at and thinking, oh, I haven't heard from them. We better confirm their interview because I know they're involved and I know they're wanting to get an interview confirmed. I better go and look at that and, and double check that their interview is scheduled. And it turns out I'd interviewed them already like a month ago. <laughs> and I had no recollection of it. So uh, this is what happens every year. And to Thank certain, God for notes. Yeah, well, I think to a certain extent, that's actually not a bad thing. I think it's kind of good that it just becomes a blur for us because it removes any subjectivity that may come up through the interview process. Because we'll be honest, some of these fleets are easier to deal with than others. <laughs> Some of these people are not the easiest to work with. They do not do a good job on their questionnaires, and if it weren't for the interview, we'd have no information about them. We were talking this morning about how um, if we didn't do the interview, there would be a different top 20. Oh, yeah. It would just be probably the five people that have figured out or naturally do the the questionnaire the way that's easy for us to read. Yeah. But The people who copy the same answers over and over again, even if they've changed? Yeah. So we go through it and I'm shaking we my need head. to do that uh, interview to sort of capture that. But we do so many of them that we don't really remember which ones were really on the ball and which ones were a struggle. Some of them are just a, a nightmare even to get scheduled. And, um, you know, that's a source of frustration while you're trying to get 80 or 100 of these things scheduled and conducted. You've got some people that can't get back to you or they constantly want to change it or whatever. It drives you up the wall. But by the time January comes around and we're scoring all of this information, we don't remember really any of those individuals and who it was. We remember there were headaches, but we don't know any yeah. of those people. And because of the way we score it in sort of a blind assessment of all of the data for one question uh, and then all of the data for another question and things like that, it really separates our personal experiences with the interviews from the actual results. So I think there's actually some benefit to the fact that our minds uh, turn into mush by uh, mid-December every year. Um, so we get a And, fresh I mean, start. just doing the interview doesn't, doesn't necessarily make or break you. What we do, try to make sure that we have all the information for a specific question in the interview. So when we go through all the questionnaires, we're like, okay, this is, we need this bit of information because those bits of information affect your score. So, but when we score, it may not be Mark may score a question that I've done, like we get sets of questions and we score the whole question. So we're not scoring the same people that we interviewed. And even if you have a nice feeling about it, there's a lot of objectivity just built into the process. You can't give somebody a score just because you like them. I mean, well, and even to. if you wanted to, you're, you're looking at it. Um, if the fleets are sort of all of the I kind of look at the questionnaires as being a vertical list of all of the questions and answers. But when we score it, we score it horizontally, where we look at one question across all of the fleets. Yeah, so like guaranteed pay, for example. We're going to look at guaranteed pay. Do you have it? Do you not? You're going to get a certain amount of points if you have it. You're going to get 
another set of points if you don't have it or and somewhere in between. And we deal with what that in between is before we do the scoring. So if there's some sort of levels that we could give part marks, then we'll decide on those then. And then basically you get the marks or you don't get the marks. It really has nothing to do with how much fun it was to interview you or how easy it was to get a hold of someone. Although we have talked about incorporating that, but it, we never have because it, it's yeah, just more fun year, to talk about how to incorporate every that year, just because we're Every year that's part of our, our stress management program is, <laughs> yeah. oh, we're taking points off of this. Yeah, but we never do. Well, we, there's no way for us to really do that. Uh, but th- at the same objective. time, well, the other, the other thing that I always come back to is we end up not needing to because it never fails. The companies that are miserable to deal with because they can't um, can't get their act together to schedule an interview, they never have great program scores. They never have very satisfied drivers. They end up taking themselves out of contention. Mm-hmm. So we don't really even have to. And I think I talked about that in an earlier podcast about the things that we learn about fleets you know, before we even start the interviews, just by how difficult it is to deal with them. So we don't even have to really do anything. We can even try and help them, which is largely what we do with the interview, try and help them along to... They maximize their score. Yeah, we want to help them make their best case, you know, give us their best story and tell us their story as completely as they can. Um, And uh, we, even if they drive us crazy, we still try and help them to do that. Uh, But those companies that really don't have their act together in terms of communication or scheduling or organization... They never end up doing very well in terms of their driver satisfaction anyway. So uh, we don't really have to uh, pull a lot of points out of it for that because they do it on their own. Uh, Just a comment about the differences between Canadian companies and American companies, which for some reason this year I've really, really been noticing (laughs) the company that I was Talking to you today is based in Versailles. Oh, I'm saying it wrong. Somewhere in Ohio. It's in Ohio, but I why want to say Versailles? And it is Versailles. Mm-hmm. In Ohio, they say Versailles. And then they say, oh, well, you know, there's another town called Russia, Ohio. Hmm. And he said, what do they call it? He said, but we don't call it that. We call it Rusi or Rushi. Mm. And I was like, why? <laughs> why would you do that? Because nobody wants to live in Russia. I don't. Well, it's it's tiny, mm. and it's a tiny town. Apparently, is very wealthy. So you learn a lot about you know just kind of geography and and things like that. And talking about benefits and oh yeah, retirement savings plans like four hundred one ks and that kind of thing. Just the differences and how. Um, so sometimes it's a relief to talk to a Canadian company because I know. I know the things that they mention. So they say RSP. I'm like, okay, I know what that is. I don't have to ask. Mm. So I'm getting better though mm. at well, learning all of the I'm different. I'm finding a couple of things that are coming up um, this year that I'm noticing that I hadn't really noticed in past years. I don't know if it's new this year or if I just never noticed it. But the one thing that I've made notes about in all of them, not anything that's going to be scored, just something that is kind of jumping out at me. Uh, we have a question where we ask about vacation and time off policies for companies. And really what we're trying to find out is how much vacation do people get mm-hmm. and how much accommodation is there for people who need personal time off for different things. And is it paid um, or not paid? Paid or not paid. Uh, and we changed the question this year to more uh, specifically collect information about vacations. But the one thing that I'm noticing this year 
that I hadn't seen before in that question is the number of people that have specific policies for paid funeral leave. Like they have so many people that need time off for funerals that they have a specific policy on that more so than anything else. So they may have a very basic vacation policy and have next to nothing in terms of sick leave or, you know, they do what they're required to do Hmm. uh, in that, like medical leave and things like that. But they've got all these dedicated funeral policies. And I'm like, man, how many funerals are your people going to that you need a policy for that? So, and that's something that I think is common, aging workforce, you know, the average age of truck drivers is getting older, but it's one of those things that's very different from what we see in the tech industry or other industries. I mean, I don't think I've ever come across a tech industry that has a policy for funeral leave. They'll have give you some personal days that you can use for whatever you like, but half the staff are using it for skateboarding and whatever else. Yeah, this is true. I mean, I don't know. It never, because when we, we were working in tech, we didn't go to any funerals. You're so. still working in tech, Jane. No, I meant when we were working outside trucking in tech. When you're working for other... Well, you think about it. We've been working in the tech industry now for 20 years, and we've had, you know, I think we've just in the past month encountered some coworkers that have have died. Um, Oddly enough, two former coworkers uh, in the past month, but up until then, we hadn't had any. Had nothing. So in tech, it's really uncommon for people to have a lot of funerals or things like that to go through. It's a much younger average age of worker. But uh, trucking, that's a real issue. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of older people. And we see this when we look at the turnover. We look at the exits. Why are people leaving? More and more, the reason that people are quitting is because they've got uh, elderly and infirm relatives that need to be cared for. So they can't be gone for a week at a time. They've got to find local jobs. And this is a big issue that the industry is going to have to figure out how to deal with because, I mean, if you're not bringing in enough new blood, if you've got an average age that's getting older and older, it's going to become more of a problem. I think that, I think from what I'm seeing, there's a lot more focus on trying to bring new blood into the industry. I, and there's a lot of new high, new entry training. Yeah, I'm a seeing lot. that as well. And some really successful ones, some people that are really doing a great job and mm-hmm. like training hundreds of new drivers uh, per year, which is fantastic. Uh, so there's definitely Even some Even smaller big effort. companies that will be like, you know, 30 or 40 people and they'll bring on three or four. I mean, in terms of percentages, it's not bad. Well, yeah. One of the things that jumped out at me and a fleet I do remember interviewing, uh, the second smallest fleet in the program this year with uh, 14 drivers. I had the smallest uh, fleet. Yeah, Jane had the smallest fleet, 10 drivers. I don't drivers. remember if they did new drivers. I think they may have. Uh, but this one with 14 drivers started a new entrant program. That floored me. Uh, oh, I remember, remember you telling me that. Yeah, that's so cool. Like, And... Because it's the same thing. They see how old their drivers are, and they only have a dozen people. You can see them pretty regularly and stay up to date with them. But they had one of them died in the past year and one retired, and they're like, well, okay, the new ones coming in the door are just as old, so we need to solve this problem. Let's get some uh, new blood in. So I thought that was fantastic for a fleet that size to be doing a new entrant program. That's a first. I've never come across that before. The There's another thing that... I think it's because we added a question about it, but um, it's really come come up quite a bit is what's in the trucks this year. That was a new question, and we get some really good information on that. 
And the one that jumps out at me, because I did it a couple of days ago and we had a pretty long conversation about it, was um, a company that has taken out all their sleepers and replaced and basically said, you know, no matter how long the haul, you're staying in a hotel. So they have a credit card, they have a card that drivers can use, they can book their own hotels, um, and basically the company pays for it, and then they do it straight through, uh, this credit card allows them to just book it through the company, and if the driver wants anything more than the basic rate with breakfast and that kind of thing, um, then they pay for it themselves. But, you know, it allows people to stay overnight in a secure place with wellness facilities, they can get breakfast generally for free because most of, you know, sort of um, motel, hotel type things will do free breakfasts. And, and apparently it has a huge impact on sleep. And so they've become more interested in sleep and sleep patterns and not making their drivers operate when they can't be fully awake. So it's kind of led into that discussion because they've started with they're getting better sleep. And apparently the owner did this and they had a new safety director a couple of years ago who was trying to get them to do sleepers again. But uh, they, he really believes that this is a much better way to do it. And he said he was a driver like 30 years ago and he said that, you know, back when he started out, people weren't using sleepers. They were, those were like newfangled things and he remembers an article about it where they were saying, be careful of using sleepers too much because it may be, diff- you know, it may be hard on people hmm. about getting them getting good rest. So it wasn't, uh, it was something that was even before they became popular, that was uh, yeah. something to be warned about. So I thought that was, I mean, we get these kinds of oddball conversations happening all the time, which mm-hmm. is one of the things I like about doing all these interviews. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting about that is I interviewed a company this morning that's the same thing. They put their people up in hotels. Now, they don't do it as a full-time thing. Uh, they do it basically if somebody is in a truck that doesn't have an APU or if the APU breaks down, uh, then they put them in uh, They put them in a hotel um, for the night. And they say the Basically, the uh, the math works out because the cost of idling uh, ends up being comparable to the cost of uh, uh, a motel for the night. And thinking about the uh, you know some of the other issues you're just mentioning, uh, like the quality of sleep and as a retention tool, uh, the fact that there's usually there's a free breakfast and there's fitness facilities. But the other thing that uh, they said is that you've got ongoing issues with truck parking, so yeah. it's a pain to find truck parking. And yeah, you can call and book it in advance and book a spot, but you're paying for that spot. So when you start considering the cost of uh, booking the spot, cost of parking, the cost of idling, and um, then the headaches of having to find the spot and all of those other things, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why it's a pain having that truck in a truck stop overnight, and you'd be better off putting people in a motel. Now, I'm going to explore that with some other fleets and just see why more people aren't doing it because we've come across two that we've interviewed in the last week, not a lot where it's popped up. There's people that will talk about hotels and providing accommodations when drivers come for orientation, uh, but very rarely do you hear people that do that as a uh, as a regular course of action out on the road when drivers are on the road. And I'm very curious as to whether or not people have explored that, if there's a, 
uh, been any thought towards it? And, you know, what does the math look like on the other side? Why are people saying, no, we don't want to do that? Because I wonder if it would be a problem if you had a reefer. Like if you were trying yeah. to go across the country with a reefer, you have to... Well, and I can see certain types of loads. You don't want to leave it unattended. Yeah, so there's security. going to be security issues. Uh, I mean, if you've got a hazmat load, you probably can't leave it in the parking lot of your Motel 6. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's going to be lots of there things reasons, like that. But um, I but, think if you're just hauling like general commodity and, yeah, you know, there's no special circumstances, then. Yeah. And, and a lot of truck stops are no more secure than a motel parking lot. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, it's it's a, an interesting discussion point to sort of bring up and to see, you know, have you considered it? Why or why not? And, uh, you know, I think the guy you were talking to, also suggested that there's economic benefits because the uh, the day cabs are cheaper than having a sleeper berth. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're lighter, so better fuel, more freight haul. So there's there's definitely uh, arguments to be made. So it's something that's worth exploring, an interesting idea. Now, I don't necessarily think that if you have sleepers, then you're then it's worse. So, like we don't have any kind of value on that yet. It's just a trend. No, this is just this one is of those things where we yeah. we discover things and then we'll talk about it and we'll see. I mean, we can't score people on that. No, uh, but we don't know anything about a big it. Really. Part, a big part of this program is identifying interesting and different things that are happening in the industry mm-hmm. and sharing that information more broadly so other people can evaluate whether or not it's right for them. Because a lot of the times, the things that we come up with are super easy to implement if you just think of them. You know, like the issue with conference calls. And, and we still see this, people saying, oh, we can't do driver meetings because our drivers are spread out all over the place. And yet we've got other fleets that say, yeah, we have a monthly conference call and people can join in wherever they are. Or well, use WebEx or use, or use Skype. Webex or, I think yeah, I, I talked to someone like who, do, who uses Skype. Yeah, go to meeting. And there's so, really no reason why. Yeah, it's a really simple thing to do once you think of it. I mean, you're well, meeting. We've been, to, I don't know how people aren't thinking of it. We've been going on and on and on about it since uh, Landstar first talked yeah. about it. And the WebEx thing is new. I'm seeing more of that this year as well. A lot of people, more uh, people doing WebEx or go to meeting for their, not just uh, their meetings, but their training sessions. And I mean, there's so many benefits of that, being able to record it and have people watch it afterwards. There was one company that did it, I think it was Skype, that, Kind of like the way we use Skype, because the way that we use Skype is really, um, it's just in replace of phone calls. And so the nice thing about Skype is that you can you can share your screen pretty easily. It's free if you don't have too many people on a call. Um, and so we use it an awful lot. And there was, I think it was a safety manager who was talking about how they, how, um, or it was a company, and they were talking about how the safety manager uses Skype to talk to different drivers and to just go through different things. Because you can, if you had some sort of video, you can go through that with them. You can, you know, use you it can, for reviewing the dash cam footage and things like yeah, that. Yeah, like as a coaching tool. Yeah, you could definitely do a lot of coaching with that. Yeah, and if good the idea. and if you are providing your drivers with tablets and things like that, which a lot of companies mm-hmm. are doing now, you can do that at a truck stop, and there shouldn't be that yeah. much cost. Yeah. So I think people are coming up with really good ideas for collaborating with their drivers. It's just whether or not they. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's not spreading as fast as I thought it would. It's taking mm. a while. I thought that more people would be doing it by now. Well, there's so many things that people are trying to do. Uh, and there's just, you know, everybody's 
um, now scrambling about the ELD thing and in a lot Cameras. of places. Yeah. And the one thing that I'm finding very interesting is how different the freight market is depending on who I talk to. Like I have found over the years that normally if you're having a good year, everybody's Everybody's talking about having having a good good year. year. And if it's a, if it's a tough year, like the early times when we first started this 2009, 2010, those were not good years. And, And everybody was in pain. Um, this year is the first time where I've found real um, disparity between different fleets and different regions. And I got some people that are growing that are saying, yeah, it's been a fantastic year. I had one fleet that I interviewed early on that had grown by 25% organically, not by buying other companies. Just, I, I had one just of by, those uh, too. Just by, because there's new business out there. And then I talked to somebody else the same day that's like, oh man, it's really tough out there. It's a soft market. Uh, we're getting killed on pricing. There's not a lot of freight. And I'm like, wow, it's just so much disparity uh, between the good and bad that we have not seen in past years. So that's something that I'm finding really interesting. Have um, you noticed which geographic areas or which commodities? It doesn't seem to be anything. Well, it's certainly the eastern eastern part of Canada. The fleets are, are seem to be having some issues. Um, but certainly sort of down the central strip where most of the participants are that Ohio, Mm -hmm. I guess from uh, Minnesota down through Indiana, Ohio, and down into like Alabama, that has been pretty consistent. Um, You know, I'm not really hearing about it. I guess so it's the people um, that are sort of east of that. Some of them have been feeling pain, but I'll have one fleet um, that's feeling pain and then another fleet that, uh, you know, in the same state uh, is just uh, doing great. So it's really, it's not something I've been able to put my finger on exactly where the uh, the breakdowns are. Um, but uh, uh, I think that's part of uh, what we're seeing um, in terms of turnover. Like I see these uh, reports, ATAs reporting that driver turnover is dropping, uh, which usually means that the market is softening. Mm. Uh, the business is not so good. Um, and in terms of like what we're seeing, now, the fleets that come into our program never have anywhere close to the turnover that we see ATA reporting. Um, so it's always very different, but I've seen some that have turnover gone up, and we've seen some where turnover is dramatically lower over the past I year. I think it's interesting how, especially in the States, um, a lot of companies compare themselves to the national average, and I I don't know how that national average is hitting 100%. It's, it just doesn't like. How are you handling your business yeah. when you have a hundred percent or more than? A, so if the average is a hundred percent, then there's a whole yeah. bunch that are more because we talk to, like wow. some of them are high, some of them they're like sixty, and that's a high one. Yeah, but those fleets, those hundred plus percent turnover fleets, they're not coming into our program. We're not seeing them, um, and we have had the odd one nominated. Uh, in past years, and they won't disclose any of their exits or any of that kind of information. So, because, well, who knows why, but yeah. yeah. But, you know, for the most part, we're seeing the fleets that have figured out turnover. I mean, if they're supposed to be the best of the best, they're the ones that are doing the right things, their drivers are happy, and people aren't leaving. So, I mean, I saw the best one I've seen so far. Uh, the lowest numbers I think I've seen, a company with, uh, 200 trucks and two exits. So 1% turnover annually. 
Um, and I haven't seen that before. So that was the one. That's a uh, a, f- a fleet uh, that yeah, it's a Canadian fleet, and uh, uh, it's mostly all regional and local stuff. So their people are home every night or two, um, but uh, yeah, they just really don't have turnover now. We do see the odd smaller fleet, like 50 truck fleet that may not have any turnover, or they may have one person that left or something like that, one or two. But it's rare. Well, I've never seen a company that size with that low turnover. Hmm. So definitely some interesting things. Um, oh, one other thing that uh, I thought was very cool that's come up is, uh, and, and it kind of fits in a couple of different places in terms of how we evaluate fleets and the kind of questions that we ask, because we ask them, um, about how you're listening to your drivers and you know, how you work with them. Um, but how you get information How you from get information them. from them. But we also, at the, towards the end of it, in the work-life balance section, we have questions that talk about how drivers get involved in community work through the company and how the company supports outside interests of drivers. And then we also talk about different social events. And I've come across a couple of uh, fleets that have recognized their drivers have interests in very particular areas, So they've shaped their rewards and recognition programs around those interests. So the one that I did uh, earlier today, they've got a lot of people that are interested in hunting and fishing and all of that stuff. So one of their recognition programs for their top drivers is to take them on a hunting trip or a fishing trip. Oh, yes, I've heard that one. Um, But there's another one um, that I did uh, that gets uh, season tickets to NASCAR Mm -hmm. because a lot of their drivers are interested in that. And that's part of how they do social stuff and a reward program. And my favorite one uh, was somebody who had got a uh, um, season tickets and, well, has a corporate box uh, for a, a football team, their local football team, Green Bay Packers. So got box seats uh, for the Packers, and instead of using it for customers like people normally do as a schmooze to try and win business, they only give away the tickets to their drivers. So they've got like a, a raffle of their best performers and people that go above and beyond, and those are the people that get to go and sit in a That's box a at the football game, and they get to take their their spouse or their family or whatever and have a, a day of it. Well, it's a huge thing for the drivers because apparently everybody in Green Bay just goes crazy about football. Uh, so it's a, a huge thing for them, but it covers off so many different areas because it's a social thing. It's, it's a supporting outside interests of drivers. It's something mm-hmm. they want to do anyway. It's a reward for good performers. It's something that people can talk about. And while they're there, the drivers are hanging out there. They're building community. They're learning from each other and getting to become more of a team. So it's one of those great ideas that just wins in so many different places. I've had a couple of companies, one recently talking about that, about sending their their drivers to um, ball games and having season tickets and stuff like that. Another thing that, but there was some other social thing uh that they were talking about and it was uh, sending, but basically sending people to outside activities and allowing them to socialize. So that's not, uh, it's becoming a little bit more common. Yeah. It's a a good idea. Yeah. Fantastic idea. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, lots of good stuff coming up um, that we're finding through the program. And uh, now that we're starting to wind down the interviews, I think we're nearly done. I've got, I'm done for today, and I've got uh, three tomorrow and two Friday. So I got five left, and then I'm finished. And what have you got? I might have one more. So we're nearly done. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, another thing that happened that's kind of 
An odd thing that seems to happen every year is how we split up the interviews. <laughs> it's never equal. It's, well, and, you said. And it never give ends me up. all your interviews. Well, it ends up, it's funny because when the nominations close, uh, we have this list of all the nominated fleets and we uh, go through it and we split it up in half. Mm-hmm. So, and sort of part of that is we have realized that um, really it's just Jane and I that can do these interviews. So we've, over the past years, we've tried having other staffers involved and some uh, other people, but it hasn't really worked out that well. So what we do is we kind of dump all of our other work on them and let them go off and do their own thing for a month. Um, Things we trust them to do. Yeah. <laughs> we don't and trust them with have the them do leads. our work and we focus on the best leads. Right. So we take the list of all of the nominated people, split it in half, and that's... Well, you do. You always split it. You do the split. Yeah. And I just go through and cut it in half. We each get half, and it's not, um, you know, I get A to L and you get M to Z or anything like that. It's all uh, just A, B, A, B, A, B, all the way down. So then we're tasked with communicating with these people, scheduling the interviews, but it always works out that one of us us. has way more interviews than the other. There's always a bunch of people that don't participate or uh, maybe we can't get hold of them at all or they start the process and realize they're not going to be able to finish it or they decide it's too much work for them or whatever, they drop out through the program. Um, And it always ends up that there's this great difference between the interview schedules where one of us has got, and not like two or three interviews more than the other, but like 20 more than the other. <laughs> well, that and was me. I had them all this so, year. So yeah, for this, this year, I think was the first time that it's, uh, it's ended up with you having the bulk of them. And well, so many at the of them. First, when I first started doing the interviews, you were very generous and said, okay, you can have all the ones where, you know, they've done it before. All the easy ones. Yeah, the easy one. The easy people who've done it multiple times have good survey. Quest, uh, the questionnaires are filled out properly. They're easy to deal with. You're not going to have any trouble. And now it's kind of in the last couple of years, it's just been here. Yeah. Here, have half. Now you've proven your now, worth. I know. So I can do this. The, <laughs> you just get the uh, the straight list of them, and uh, so it ended up that Jane had I way think more there than was me. Only maybe. Maybe twelve or fourteen, that out of my list, that didn't participate at all. Okay, so you had a high participation rate. Oh my god! Uh, so once we decided that we needed to do something about FISMA, we had an issue because here's Jane with the bulk of the interviews and needing to spend some time doing some creative to get a storyboard on FISMA. So I took the interview. So I tried. I took all of the interviews that I could fit into my schedule. So now. My brain uh, has gone completely to mush. With I can all take of these. some back. And <laughs> now, the second last day. <laughs> yes. And listen, I've got a FISMA storyboard, so okay. don't complain too loud. Well, I said, you sure? Okay. I've well, been, and do any, we have a FISMA course? Nearly. Well, not a course, but. <laughs> so you focus nearly on Nearly something for review. Yeah. So, and then that's still the priority. I can do, I can do five more interviews. Uh, I mean, in the old days, before we moved it into our system and the interviews were right. all done all over paper. the phone and uh, people didn't have the questionnaire in advance and I was just uh, uh, just taking their notes and it was it was like two hours for every interview. So those days doing three interviews a day was insane. 
But now that we've moved it into our system, it's all centralized. Uh, we've got their current questionnaire. Uh, we've got all of their past questionnaires, if they've been in it before, and any past interview notes. It's a much simpler process. So mm-hmm. it still fries your brain doing enough of them uh, because you also have to be friendly and polite. And as a bunch of techies, we're not either of those things naturally. <laughs> <laughs> we have to pretend uh, to be... Uh, That's not true. We're friendly and polite. Well, within Mostly. the context of what we mean by friendly and good yeah, play. Okay. Uh, Which but, is a low bar. You know, we have to be socially acceptable. So, yes, it, it does get to be draining, but uh, it's, a, it's a good process. Yeah, and it's definitely become a process because I realize I can hear myself saying the same thing over and over again. I feel like a tour, like someone at Disneyland who has yeah. the same speech over over and over again. So it's I was telling somebody, and this isn't part of a prepared speech, but I was telling someone that, you know, I start off being really excited about the interviews because I get to stop doing my regular job and start talking <laughs> about best fleets. But by the end of it, it's like, oh, I really want my regular job back. <laughs> Let me stop talking. Never been so excited. I decided to do a storyboard. <laughs> I know. Ooh, storyboard. Yes. Well, Let me read some regulations now. Well, yes, it is uh, It is winding down the Best Fleets process, so we got a handful of interviews left. Um, surveys are out there. We've got probably 20 or more that have hit their target yeah. already. Well, so it was the, 19 yesterday. Did you? I haven't looked today, but I know there was a bunch of people that okay. were close. So the surveys are cranking. Uh, we've got lots of those coming in, driver surveys. Um, so those will be coming through, uh, through the holidays up till New Year's Eve. Uh, and after the interviews are done, we actually get a little bit of a break because then it sort of turns over to drivers, just get the driver surveys in. But then in January, it goes insane again because that's when we've that's got when to... That's when we evaluate. That's when we got to yeah, put it all together and score them. And, score buy them. and the most terrifying week for me every year <laughs> is coming up with that, you know, putting all of those together and identifying the top 20. And, oh, I'm so, I'm always horrified that I'm going to miss something or I'm going to end up with a well, top 20. that's why we double check. Yeah, that just doesn't make any sense. We go through it a few times. Oh, we go and through we go it through several the, times. the scoring Yeah, as we well. check each other's scoring and we leave it for a bit and then come back and review. Mm-hmm. And we've got a process around that. But nevertheless, it's still terrifying to me every time. Or that we're going to send the top 20 list to the TCA and notify them who the winners are and they'll get working on their press release and start doing the plaques and all of the awards for the convention and all that stuff. And then like one of the top 20 will declare bankruptcy or lose a massive class action suit or something like that, or some horrible thing will happen in that time between when we figure it out and the time when it's announced. So that's always my fear. Or worse, I guess the day after we announce the top 20, uh, one of them does something nasty. But hasn't happened, uh, and I don't know. I don't even know what to say to that. Like, are you jinxing it? This is a very no. This is a very dark turn that we've taken. Well, it's the same threat or the same risk that they have on the safety side. Yeah, because any you know, time they could just have. This is the rack. time where they're notifying people that they've made the the finals on the safety awards. Um, you know, they could d- decide who the overall winners are and do all of that. And then there's a whole process involved in finalizing it and getting it all prepped for a presentation. Well, if one of those fleets has this massive um, crash, maybe they're responsible for a horrible um, crash that is a multi-car pileup and there's a bunch of fatalities and there's hazmat all over the road. I mean, that's just going to be a nightmare for them. So. Bite your tongue, knock on wood. What are, what are all the, throw salt over your yeah. shoulder. Yes, I've, yeah, I've done all of those things. 
So that's always a risk, but we've been very lucky because I think You're anybody... You're so odd. Like every once in a while, you have these weird things that I find totally ridiculous, and usually it's me. Yeah. Well, we have to balance each other. You're not yeah. worried about this, so I have to be. Come on. <laughs> so we've the been lucky. The plane won't stay in the air unless one of us is worrying. Yes. Well... We've been lucky, I think, because fleets kind of know if they're having hard times, if they're at risk for something like that. You know, if they're about to go bankrupt, they got bigger things to deal with than trying to trying get, to get our, on a best fleet yeah, list. Yeah, than trying yeah. to do our questionnaire and get surveys done. So well, it hasn't also, been an if, issue. if fleets are having a difficult time, then they're not really trying to attract drivers. They're trying There's to get the lights on. Yeah, and they're, they're not going to be responding uh, to our questions and things. So... That's what comes uh, after the holidays, uh, is that uh, chaos of identifying who the winners are and getting ready for the uh, announcements and everything. Um, but between now and then, I think we've got a little bit. We're hoping to have a little bit of downtime, uh, although it's shaping up to not be so restful because... Uh, um, Everybody's gone on vacation? Yeah. And left we, us well, holding the bag? Yeah, we've got a couple of developers that are off, which means I've got a, uh, I'm on call to sort of babysit in case anything is uh, happening on the uh, the servers or anything, if there's any issues there. Um, there probably won't be, but somebody's got to monitor it anyway. And uh, we were also, we got a new website that we're going live with in January. So I've got to write some copy for that and review it and do all the testing and all of these things. This is a, the problem when you have traditional slow times, you start dropping a bunch of projects in there and it'd be, oh, it'll be a good time to do this when there's nothing else going on. Kind of like we do in the summer. So you want to re- redesign the website during Best Fleets interviews? Like, no, that's I don't not want exactly to. That's not exactly a good that's <laughs> was not, not good, good use of time. But I was thinking, okay, well, we've got some new stuff coming in January, some new uh, functions and uh, things like that. Announcements and things. Announcements. And we really need an updated website to go with it. And it's been two years it's time for a new design and update on that sort of stuff so you kind of realize all of these things and you have to do them and i was thinking oh it's going to be a little bit quieter over the holidays we can do that well you know pretty soon you have a whole bunch of things that are good to do over the holidays because it's quieter and it's no longer quiet over the holidays (laughs) so uh we'll see but uh i think that's uh that's essentially what we're up to right now um no other upcoming events no other uh, excitement uh, happening with that. We are looking forward to a couple of weeks of no excitement whatsoever. No. Uh, and uh, Why do you, Watching all the movies that we've missed. Yes, catching up on TV mm-hmm. and movies um, and uh, recharging a little bit. So I don't have anything else to go through. Do you have anything else you want to review? Nope. Not work-related. Nope. Well, I think that's it then. Yes. So I, I can put my radio voice back on. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Goodbye. Have a great day. So, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Uh, happy Holidays. Happy Holidays. Uh, I don't know what you say to people on Kwanzaa, if they have in Kwanzaa, but I don't think there's any other holidays coming up. Joyous Kwanzaa, I think you're supposed to I say. I think that's what it is. So, yes, uh, have an enjoyable winter break. Uh, oh, and Happy Festivus, which is coming up. <laughs> that's the most important. Week. Yes. <laughs> I guess a week. Get your polls. Yes, a week tomorrow is Festivus. Yes. So yes, uh, we'll have an official. If you don't uh, know what you were talking about, you have to look it up. But it's Seinfeld. Related. I know. If you don't know what you're talking about, you should stop listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what Festivus is. Yeah, no podcast uh, for you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now I'll put my radio voice on proper and say thank you and good night. <laughs>